Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast, actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path After Party 70. Woo! So excited. We are in the end game <laughs> as we go over episodes 208, 209, and 210 in the inevitable march to our showdown with Hakatep. It's true. Yep, yep. One step closer. Yes. And this was like a crazy couple of episodes. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of like, did not think it was going to go down that way kind of stuff. But it did. It <laughs> did. So let's jump right in. Uh, so episode 208 had us uh, dealing with the curse of the Nethyshin trap. Oh, uh, yeah. To start off after we had dealt with like the Hell Wasps and stuff. Um, yeah, which it wasn't was, great. Yeah, not great. Uh, Although you guys very... didn't actually trigger that trap. It would have been really bad. Yeah, how bad would it have been? Very bad. Well, we're in the after party, so you can tell us how bad. <laughs> Sorry, I was stalling for time as I pulled up the pitch. Um, nice. It's a heightened bone shatter spell, so it's 15 d6 damage and exhaustion for Ow. 15 minutes. Ow. Jeez. Uh, fortitude save DC 27 partial. Wow. Ooh. Yeah, it, it really hurts. Yeah, not so yeah, great. I'm getting that. And that's what's safe for half, too, right? Yeah, I think it's safe for half and not get the exhaustion. Eek. Well, dang. So still still a lot of damage. So, I mean, fortunately, didn't have to make anyone make that save or anything else like that. It's a, it's always the thing that even the higher level traps, the disabled device DC for a dedicated rogue's not really that high. It's very rare that it exceeds something like a 35. Yeah, it is one of those things that like at high level, like traps just become... Like, I wouldn't say they're, like, perfunctory, because you can still roll low enough to trigger them, but, like, for most rogues, they max out, you know, disabled device. You get your bonuses for, you know, your traps and everything, so it's, like, kind of almost free XP. But it's also, mm-hmm. like, commit- it, weirdly, it gets easier, but, the pen, like, the, the consequences of getting it wrong get horrendously worse. <laughs> so oh, yeah. It gets way worse than, like, oh, you trigger this trap, and it, like, you know, snaps a, a bear trap on your hand or something like that all the way up to, like, <laughs> oh, it just kills you. You trigger this trap, it just kills you. Trap on your yeah. Hand. Ouch. <laughs> no more hand for you. We've all played uh, Until Dawn. <laughs> I'm yep. pretty sure that was in Until Dawn, wasn't it? Was that? There was a bear trap at least I once or twice in hand, Until Dawn. But, yeah. I'm pretty sure I I made the fatal mistake of playing a horror movie tie it like type of game where I decided curiosity was a uh, was enough reason <laughs> for me to stick my hand towards something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fair trade. My curiosity was sated. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, from there, we uh, had made our way down to the Hall of the Ibis Prince Hakmothis. Mm-hmm. It's true. Which was, cool. was weird because there was nothing there. <laughs> well, I mean, the guy was there and there were a bunch of skeletons. Yeah. But like there wasn't anything defending it. I do think it's somewhat uh, interesting that despite Hakatep's fractured being, that when he more or less just used his ne- necromatic powers for his entire place to raise the various guardians... That he did not animate a son. Yeah, well, he like cared there's about still it. a part of him, even in the fractured way that he is now, that still remembered he loved his son. Interesting. I'm I'm curious to see how that'll kind of come up because I I feel like yes the the mask was technically what we were supposed to get in here, but I think having the history on the walls is going to come into play. I don't know how, but I'm hoping it does. Well, it was interesting nonetheless. It was very interesting. Shows you can have crappy parents and still turn out okay. Well, he was actually raised by Nahamra, so I guess there's that. You can have crappy parents and still turn out okay. <laughs> well, no, um, he wasn't raised by Nahamra. 
his brother's son. So Hakatep's nephew was raised by the Hummer. So Hakatep wasn't out trying to kill the Shori. He was raising a kid because I thought he mostly was out messing was, with like, the Shori, which about. is no. Hakatep and when Hakatep wasn't out doing that, Neferuset was raising him because his mother that was still there. That doesn't make any sense to me because how do you raise? Well, he probably was a bad person then because how do you have that mother? With those I mean, ideas. But and he that was book. super smart. So, like, if you read a lot and was super smart, he might have been like, wait, mom's crazy. <laughs> and we don't it's know how much possible. of her religion and all that stuff she was trying to foist upon him at a young age. So, well, in a, a common misconception pertaining towards either like ancient warfare or medieval warfare, it either is viewing it through the lens of modern warfare. Today, you can have war 12 months a year. But back in the day, the Egyptians wouldn't march to war during the summer. You lose so many troops to heat exhaustion, heat stroke, and everything else that you have periods of war. It's why summer was the period of war in Europe. People usually didn't actually try to make war during the winter. So, I mean, he would be there for large portions of it. Also, Hakatep can teleport. So, yeah. <laughs> but she comes True. to shove if he wants to be home in bed. Yeah, well, night. then why was his son like, well... I better get dad to notice me by going and fighting the Shori. Like, he wouldn't I don't think it was a notice me thing. I think it was more, I want my father to be proud of me, so I'm going to go win some battles. Because the war was the most important thing to Hakatep. So, somewhat obsessed. Oh, you think? (laughs) It's it's the interesting humanizing (laughs) side of it is that it's what I think makes Hakatep a more interesting villain than some is that there is no one is bad 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. That there is that, like, he loved his son. Now, did that make up for the fact that he caused the death of thousands of people that he enslaved? No. But it is still a, in that moment when you're viewing a a grieving man distraught over the loss of his son, that is still something you go, this man had emotions. Even if yeah. his views, his morality, and his, to be perfectly honest, his goals were completely twisted. Because mm. again. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> Well, nobody's perfect, and also I I am always more of a fan of a complex villain. I do love that. You know, Vader is a great villain, but Vader as Luke's father is way more interesting. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Sometimes it is fun to have a Palpatine. Sometimes it is fun to have a cackling, ha-ha, I'm evil, for no apparent reason. See the tyrant. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. That guy just likes to be evil. But it is, I think, somewhat indicative of the fact that more people know or recognize or view Darth Vader as a more central character than they do the Emperor. Mm-hmm. Because having a layered villain is more interesting. You know, Hakatep loved his son. And maybe if and he could wife? have extended that. That's an interesting question. For I won't quite get worse. into that because, uh, you know, you guys haven't actually interacted with her or anything else like that. But there is the notable fact that, you know, she's not involved in a lot of the visions you've seen. Yep. That is yeah, true. I have started her. noticing that. I wondered if they grew apart, but he'd still made that promise to take only her as his wife, so... He had other stuff to do. He didn't have time for ladies. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, 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 there's kind of also to look at it as, like, she's the one that said, I'll make you pharaoh, basically, right? So does he really love her, or does he love the power that she helped him get? Well, he loved her enough not to kill her for killing people, like babies and stuff. Yeah, I mean, he let her get away with sacrificing children, and she's crazy town. Everything we've heard about her, even Nahamra, who admitted all the crap he did, was like, no, she's crazy. So... <laughs> it's all perspective, though, I guess. So basically what we're hearing is, uh, she's the Palpatine in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> totally <laughs> irredeemably evil. <laughs> I have not seen one redeemable thing about this chick. 
Yeah, she just gets worse every time we hear about her. Like, we didn't even see her w- in the vision with, you know, Hawkmothus being dead. She wasn't even there. It was just Hawkatep. Well, that may not have been her fault. I mean, the yeah. only thing that you guys they had learned Sothis. pertaining... That the only thing that think. you guys had learned pertaining towards her that might be a... Not even a redeeming element, but a little bit of an explanation for it is that she seemed to have just been kind of a weird kid. And then she got an evil book and then she went nuts. So it's like. I mean, it is a book of badness. (laughs) Yeah, maybe she was just a weird gothy kid until she read the Necronomicon and then. Yep. She's kind (laughs) of like Nancy from The Craft. You know, when they finally do the ritual and she goes nuts. Stranger Things, Nancy? (laughs) That idea of like knowledge or maybe something, something that she was exposed to shattered who she was but from then on from everything that you saw like for all the bad things that Hakatep did he at least wasn't sacrificing babies (laughs) yep insanity all the way down Uh, speaking of insanity uh, that does lead us to uh, trying to get to the chamber of the emerald pyramid uh, and deciding oh we're we're gonna just flesh the stone the door finally Ah, delightful it was not delightful (laughs) given to Hollis's own version of insanity it was not fun uh, no, I, the description of that makes it even worse. But then we get like halfway in and we're hit with the symbol of insanity. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is really just insult to injury. It was so gross. It was bad. <laughs> so is it every single door in this entire, like all four crypts and every everything? Hockatep. That is a stupid amount of magic. If I it's may say so. It's kind of amazing, actually. Hockatep spared no expense. Oh Good my gosh, gracious. he is the John Hammond of Osirian. <laughs> mm. Wow. Well, oh well. And, and then we got lucky because Masika was like, I'm not going to be anywhere near that. Yeah, because it yeah. was gross. Because it, yeah, because it was gross. It ended up being great because, what was it, three out of five people uh, Matt, ended up being Masika insane? Masika didn't have any weapons that were going to help with any of that, and there were already two people up there, and it was a five-foot-wide area. Through, uh, you can't really cut through like flesh easily with a mace. Well, she's using her staff now. The staff of healing is also magical. Oh, you're your so. staff. Yeah, you're just kind of like thumping it. So she was like, this yeah, that's real gross. This is the opposite of what this staff is designed to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she was like, this is real gross. I'm just going to keep an eye out. I was really expecting air elementals to be in that vortex, just hanging out and waiting. Yeah. Nope, instead we got Thunderbirds. It would me. I, I think more in a, a way to subvert expectation, there are no elementals. Nope. Yeah. In the elemental pyramid. <laughs> I feel like m- some of that might have been because it was so elemental heavy in um, book five. Yeah. Thematically that they were like, we've got to do something different. So they went with like other outsiders and things like that. Yeah. It's quite possible. I think a lot of the, the challenge with designing books as far as adventure paths and everything else is concerned is making certain that there's not a certain repetitiveness to it. It's that whole thing of like, oh, this is going to be the like undead adventure path or something. And famously in uh, when we we're playing through Tyrant's Grasp, uh, minor spoilers here. If you're not a Patreon backer, uh, you should be because uh, Tyrant's Grasp is phenomenal. It but is there's great. like a severe lack of undead in the beginning of Tyrant's Grasp, despite the fact that you're playing the adventure path where you're fighting a giant necromancer. And when you're playing and uh, actually, yeah, when you guys were playing early on in Mummy's Mask, I remember Jessica commenting numerous times when mm. she was playing Sagira that there were she has favored enemy undead no, and that does. there are no freaking undead but then there were undead and it was great yeah but then like yeah book two was the undead book but I think <laughs> I honestly think that they try their best to vary it up constantly between one book to the next and I guess the last book they went well this has to be the elemental book 
So figure out a way to do elemental themed things without doing elementals. Yeah, because like I know that there is uh, I won't name names on which adventure path, but there is a book where you fight, I think, a total of five or six different things. And one of those things is like you go into a corridor. There are six of these things. Go fight them. Oh, you open up. You open a closet armory. Here's six more of those guys. Get at them. Like it was it was very (laughs) repetitive. And like you felt like the lack of diversity in the fights because it just kind of felt like deja vu. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like a giant slayer where, you know, it's in the name. You're going to yeah, be fighting yeah. giants, but you know that they're going to work in other things. Like, you know, you're you're in the hold of Beltskin. You're, of course, going to be fighting orcs like you're going to be fighting something else other than giants. And I feel mm. like it's the same way with this as this adventure path has continued. Originally, it was we're going to be fighting undead. OK, there's some undead. And then it was like, we're going to be fighting cultists. OK, there's cultists, but then there's some other things. We're going to be fighting elementals. All right. Well, here's elemental adjacent creatures. Uh, like Thunderbirds. I am glad we're past the exploding cultists. Yes, I am so glad yes, to be past was, the exploding cultist phase. <laughs> uh, we've but moved that, into the next phase. Yeah, that does bring us, though, <laughs> I know, I kind of I kind of want Hakatep to explode. I mean, he can explode, but I want <laughs> us to funny. do the exploding of him. Boom. Uh, but uh, that does bring us to episode 209, where we uh, had the fight with the Thunderbirds. So did we trigger the Thunderbirds with the symbol of insanity? Like, it felt very much like, oh, you did this thing. Now here's the Thunderbirds. You have to deal with the Thunderbirds if you use any means other than placing the mask on the door tip. Yeah, we, uh, we didn't. Okay, so we did. Right so we opener. did trigger it by. <laughs> Once again, the the flushing the door was not a good idea. <laughs> it had nothing to do with flushing though. It's because we didn't go get that mask. Yeah. Well, that that would have opened the doors without us having to cut through them or anything. Yep. yep. Those Thunderbirds were no fun because they were seeing through all the fog and, and stormy stuff, and we weren't. Yeah, <laughs> I got to remember were... echolocation. That was fun. Yeah, that was interesting. I had two interesting thoughts during the fight against the Thunderbirds. And first off is it's always the interesting thing where a creature's challenge rating is dependent upon the circumstances that it's in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for instance, like it's the whole thing of uh, is fighting a shark fair because you're having to deal with underwater combat rules. And it's like, well, I mean, it's designed to be underwater. Like if you're fighting a shark, a shark on like the surface, unless someone had given it a ring of air breathing and like a cast overland flight on it or something, which would be a great way to fight a shark, then you have to fight it in its element. And in the case of the Guardian Thunderbirds, the Thunderbirds themselves have all this ability to create winds and clouds and all of these other things to obscure stuff. So the assumption already is part of their challenge rating that you can't see them. Mm. You had the advantage that you were fighting them in an actually enclosed area where they couldn't get too far away from you because the Mm -hmm. range on that bolt that they could shoot off is pretty freaking good. Hmm. My second thought is, and I think I mentioned this, might have mentioned this in the episode. I don't mind templates on a creature, but I really think when you add the second template to a creature, you since you've changed their stat block so much, you should just give them a stat block. Yeah. I get it that yep. you wanted to take a challenge rating 11 creature and make it a challenge for a party, a party of 16th level characters. And so you went, let's just give it fiendish and advanced. But that changes its stats so much that I would really prefer if you just republished its stats. I know it's a word count kind of thing but maybe that's just me. No, I agree with that because I've seen some of that as well, where it's like, okay, like if you published it once in the book and you're just rehashing it, like that's one thing. But like, yeah, if you're, if it's a fundamentally different than what is in the, you know, bestiary or whatever, like that's, that's hard for like, 
you basically are going to have to write out the whole stat block or just have one heck of a memory to remember what the fiendish template and advanced template give it. Well, especially because advanced gives it a range from hit die. Like usually like a monster will say it has this many hit die and then advanced is like from 12 to 16 hit die. So it's like how many extra hit die did you give it? And then you're going to throw fiendish on top of it. That's a lot of math to do on the fly to get this thing. The fiendish does different things based on how many hit die a creature yeah. has, whether yeah, like it's especially resistances. is, is mm-hmm. a hard one. I have definitely run monsters before and then been like, ah, it had a template and I missed that the whole fight. Oh, well. Yeah. Cause the, the only thing that they give you is it's new hit points. Yep. They tell you what its higher mm-hmm. hit points are. And then that's kind of it. I'm like, you could go ahead and give yeah, me like its like, new name, AC name and attack challenge bonus. rating, what it is. So to say like, you know, chaotic, neutral, whatever, whatever. Advanced uh, and Fiendish Thunderbird. Hit, yeah, Advanced <laughs> Fiendish Thunderbird. And then it's like 157 hit points or whatever. Yeah. Was like close? 175. Hey, I was actually pretty close. <laughs> you can tell I've been playing this game a long time when I can kind of <laughs> guesstimate how many hit points things have. Somewhere near mine. But yeah, it was an interesting fight with them. Yeah, they were awful. It basically states, as they put it here, that they come down from the clouds, they strike those standing on the balcony with thunderbolts. Uh, If a foe is rendered unconscious, one of the birds will attempt to grab the helpless victim, uh, basically fly by, grab them, and then drop them down the shaft to the 300 feet. Oh, Oh, that's so rude. Yeah, Yeah, I was not. I thought they were going to do that when we were alive and try to do it while we were like on there. Yeah, that's some shrikey behavior. Well, if they stun you, they would also choose to do that. Oh, and the other crappy thing terrible. is if you'd gone up first instead of going down and tried to bypass this, then you would pass through the dispel magic thing <laughs> yep. if you had feather fall and then plunge at least 200 feet down to the ground below. Hakatepa is such a... Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> talk about getting mileage from the... You know, I, I'm just going to assume this is the infundibulum, like getting mileage out of that by being like, hey, you know what this would be really great for? A death trap. <laughs> so many death traps. He's like looking at the plans and he see, he's like, he's like, you know what this needs? It's a shaft, and I need to just have a, a permanent thunderstorm in here. You know, one time I went to the science place, and just, I saw that tornado thing, and I want that in my pyramid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Chisisex just like, man, that's a rad idea. Let's do that. I mean, Chisisex like, cool. that's on you, guy, because I can't think of a way to make that with clockworks. <laughs> like, I got it. But I will make a hallway where we pump poison gas into it. Perfect. Brilliant. Yes, which is like the most mundane but effective like means of just dealing with intruders it's just eh, just gas them can't people just run through there it's like well technically you can only quadruple move in a straight line so as long as so i we'll include two tur- curves in there yeah we got them <laughs> then we'll get them for a couple rounds at least uh yes i do feel like that is that is one of those like like meta as the game designer is looking at that going because i feel like they, they they come up with an idea and then they run it by somebody and somebody else is like oh no they could just totally quadruple move through there and they're like oh, okay and then they just like i'm seeing it on the mat on a piece of paper putting zigzags i kind of felt like it should have been a solid fog and then they're probably talking with the writer from the previous book who was just like it's like oh yeah i included the solid acid fog thing in my thing it's like God, okay i can't use the solid fog poison yeah. gas anymore we've already done that once okay yeah that, that's definitely like I think part of the role of like the person who's overseeing the adventure path is just making sure that we're they're not reusing the same elements yep sometimes it happens oh yeah but yeah you did manage to eventually defeat them it was just a, a game of cat and mouse inside of the the fog yep so having uh. done that uh, we did manage to finish cutting our way through the door slash block of stone into the chamber of the emerald pyramid uh, bringing us to episode 210 where we uh, got to meet the Sphinx. undead mummy Sphinx. He was nice. 
I guess. Syndicate? Yep. Uh, I don't know if nice is the right word. More willing to I talk mean, to us. He was an undead sphinx priest of Set. Yeah, you know. Riddle me this. Yeah, I mean, it was... Uh, I think it's one of those ones that, like, I saw that it was a sphinx, and I was like, I wonder if we're going to get to do a riddle. And we got to do a riddle, and I was pleased. And then it was it a was hard riddle, and I was displeased. Riddle. It was a really hard riddle. I was like, oh, no, this one's hard. I was hard. like, wow, we're going to lose. Racking no. my dang brain. Then Rachel well, and it. it doesn't help also that Rick in, like, I don't know how much he gets cut down, but, like, Rick actually had a timer with 10 minutes on it for us to yeah. figure it out. And he keeps yeah. going, nine minutes remaining. I know. Eight I'm minutes like, remaining. I know. And we're like, ah! <laughs> it adds, like, some real tension in the moment. It, it, it did. When I'm done with the edit, it's probably not going to be the exact same amount of time unless I remember to snip around that and try to keep that section flowing <laughs> at the standard rate. You well, there were definitely like moments of just utter silence. We're all just sitting there just racking sitting our there brains like trying to figure our it temples. out. <laughs> It'll be that thing in like a movie where you watch where there's like 15 seconds left on a clock or something and then two minutes later they cut back and there's still like three seconds left. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm real bad sense. at riddles. I either figure it out immediately or I have no clue. I, I had nothing that whole time. I knew it had to be something with the wording. Oh, Funny yeah. anecdote. Oh yeah. I read this myself without looking at the answer to like figure out okay what, what solutions would I come to with this and I actually came to the same solution that you guys did at the very beginning which was well one of the brothers lets the other win mm. which is why I actually added in the line there that was neither brother was willing to allow the other to win uh, because that would uh, actually because that's technically a solution I went I need yeah. to remove that solution from there yeah. so I actually added in a line in there just to get a, get rid of that possible solution and go with the each brother riding the other brother's camel yeah, <laughs> yeah the first mm -hmm. like three but sentences of that are basically just filler yeah, yeah. It, it's more or less, it's the classic thing with uh, with riddles is you have to figure out what's the actual pertinent part of the yeah. riddle yeah, what and what's yeah. in the riddle. misdirection. But yeah, and you guys didn't have to fight uh, Shindikut, which that is good. That would have wrecked our face. Is... A mummy sphinx who's also a cleric of set slinging and spells. And has two uh, elder elementals. Oof. Yeah, two elder lightning elementals. Uh, he's no slouch Ooh, himself geez. with uh, 143 hit points. AC of 35. Wow. Uh, frightful presence since he's a mummified creature not a mummy since you know he's not a humanoid uh, he has the standard things you guys have run into before including the like burst of speed uh, when he kills you you crumple to dust uh, that's yeah. combined with pounce and rake as a sphinx. you know when he's just going in the, yep. as a sphinx going to melee oh, and he has and six level cleric spells yeah, so he has like blade cleric, barrier so... prepared and things like that oh, oh, blade oh barrier. you almost killed me I guess I'll cast harm on myself let's keep going he has two prepared yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so bad. So mean. Uh, well, I'm glad we solved the riddle. So yay for Rachel solving the riddle. Yes. Yep. It's true. Excellent. Also, much to Rachel's <laughs> chagrin is uh, if she did improve invisibility, he does have true seeing prepared. So. I've <laughs> <laughs> oh, been rude. Man. We'd have to actually flank him. Who wants to do that? Sounds like work. Yeah. Sudi's getting lazy. Sudi's <laughs> <laughs> tired. Sudi wants to be done with this adventure path so he can retire at 18. <laughs> so yeah, you guys uh, did get through the riddle and opened up the uh, the final seal on the last part of the door. Yep, so we, uh, we got to do that with kind of a wiggle word around getting 10 minutes not uh, consecutively and then yeah. uh, went to rest, hot. came back the next day, dropped all the pyramids. Yep. Hopefully they didn't land on anything too important. We'll find out. 
<laughs> I mean, Who we knows? at least took the time to give them like 24 to 36 hours to move into their new positions. I mean, they are flying. I would think they could move relatively fast. And right? the undead don't sleep, so they probably went ahead and went, oh, okay, cool. Zoop. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, all of them were on their one day coffee break. No. <laughs> but yeah, you guys uh, did all of that and then uh, opened up the final seal entered into the sanctum. Yep. And uh, we got to go down a 120 foot sh uh, 120 foot deep shaft. Yeah, uh, which uh, I, I love because I, I love the ability to slow fall. It's one of my favorite like monk abilities, but I never want to use it in a hole like that because I'm always imagining there's just a giant empty like, you know, area past that. And we've seen that a couple different times. Uh, no, here. that was technically true with this one because that shaft dropped you down into a room that didn't have walls next to the shaft. It just yeah, took you exactly. into the ceiling. So you would have fallen the last 30 feet. Well, yeah, because I'm imagining everybody comes down nice and nice and gentle. Sudi's slow falling and then you just go, ah! Splat. Yeah. And I was like, that would have been so indignified, so I'm glad that I flew down there. Yeah, it's basically like Mega Man X doing the wall slide. Yes, exactly. And then we uh, got all the way down here, uh, or down there, and uh, got to meet uh, Sahila, who just kind of like, I thought Sorta. she was a vampire at first. She kind of like missed it up, and I was like, oh, she's a vampire. But she then reminded she me of Genie, like from not. Aladdin, like blue I mist. Think she's mentioned <laughs> being bound. I think she's some sort of, I think all that's left is her spirit, and she's been so maybe, tied uh, yeah, to the... Like a yeah, ghost maybe. or something. Yeah. Well, we'll but hey, out. she called Hakatep like the incomplete, the <laughs> I warmonger. Oh, I was like, I hey, friend. I can't wait to have a full-on conversation yep. with her. She's gonna Hakatep be sassy. Hakatep the wicked, Hakatep the warmonger, Hakatep the incomplete. Oh, Yes. <laughs> That's just basically like, yeah, it took you long enough. <laughs> let's let's like, get this going, time. The guy didn't even exist in history for us. We had to figure out he even existed. You don't even, yeah, you don't <laughs> even know how difficult it was to figure out this guy existed, much less that he's in a giant freaking pyramid we had to tear down from the sky with <laughs> and we're ungodly amounts of magic. We're going to tell him nobody had knows never about him. hadn't stolen the mask, you know, there still wouldn't be anybody here. So, you know. It's true. Yep. It's true. Yeah. So that's going to be fun. Starting next episode. Episode 211, you guys can explore the, the final day of this adventure. I was just yeah. kind of curious. Like, I, I did touch on it a little bit there at the end, but it is uh, not just for these characters, the you know, months and months and months that they've been doing this, is we are now we are now literally on the last map of the oh, Mummy's Mask wow. Adventure Path. Wow. When, uh, when I fire up, you know, the VTT next time, we're going to be on the final map as you guys are going through the last dungeon for over four years of uh, of effort coming to this. How many cool. episodes do you think we got left? I'd say a dozen at least. In one day? How are we going to have that many fights? A lot of fights. You're going to have to conserve <laughs> a spells. A lot of whole episode fights because high well, level even if play we're like spells, that. Like, God, that's a lot of fights in one day. It's the end of an AP. They're always like this. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's also, there's trap, there's explorations, there's, I'm not going to be surprised if you spend the entire next episode having a conversation with Sahila to get a lot of information, mm. kind of like you did with Nahamra. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm also not going to be surprised if uh, a couple of these fighters or fights are two partners. Oh, yeah. ah, that's so. great. Not, not surprising, though. Yeah. Well, we'll probably level at some point, so we'll get a little bit of a boost there. Yeah. It's like, um, I'll finally get another level of Monk. I want what ninth level spells what before we finish this adventure, okay? I don't care what we do. I just want ninth level spells as a wizard, and I will be completed in my life. I can't remember what video game it it is that uh, 
every time that you reach a level up, you regain all of your health and everything else. Hmm. I oh, remember playing a game where like that happens. There's a couple games like that. Like, doesn't Diablo do that? It might. Honestly, I, think, I, I might also just be thinking of uh, I might be thinking of Baldur's Gate also, where I'm just like, ooh, level, and then suddenly I've got like new abilities and everything. But yeah, it might be Diablo or you know those the various games where you can level up during a dungeon and then suddenly go, okay, now I can keep going because I was. I was getting low on resources, but now I mean, I've got my second win. Diablo does the thing where when you level up, you instantly get all your health back. So yes. <laughs> yeah, when you're saying, in the yeah. middle of a fight and suddenly all your health and magic is back and you're like, okay, I might be able to beat this person. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what he was talking about. Yep. Yep. So yeah, you guys have this, uh, the last run on uh, Hakatep's Inner Sanctum, the very last map. Yeah, didn't know if you guys had any thoughts on, uh, on reaching this goal that we as a podcast have been pursuing for four years that you have uh, probably a dozen episodes maybe a few more left before you have to say goodbye to these characters yeah i mean i it's one of those like i feel like every ap's like this like it's bittersweet i think it's especially bittersweet when you've been playing the same character for four years when you've mm -hmm. got behind you in my office i've got artwork of him like you know it's yeah. it's it's gonna be weird not playing the character that you know. It's it's kind of like I guess TV actors might feel this after a while. You're like, man, I've been playing this character for like four years, and I feel like it's a real big part of me. And then my show got canceled, and it's like, oh no. You no. always miss. It's almost like you have this. You know, you have this like ghost of character past, like in whatever you do next, because you're like, oh, I really miss. If I was playing so and so, I could do that cool thing. We kind of built the podcast on these characters, and there's that kind of subtle fear of will the next character be as likable and as as you know enthusiastically supported by everybody as the you know the current batch of characters are. Yeah, I think I think that's the fear, but kind of piggybacking off of what you said, where it's like, oh, you've been playing this character for so long, but then there's also that feeling of I've been playing this character for so long, I want to do something different. For sure. So yeah. it's it's kind of both. Like I'm sad to see the character go, but I'm also curious to see what else I can do. You know, it's it's well, you know, it's, it's not a, a conclusion. It's not going to be a cliffhanger. Like that's the thing that's yeah. You know, ah, cool. This character got their story. Mm -hmm. Everything set. We all Great. we all got to have our epilogue episodes or whatever we end up doing at the end. <laughs> how do you? How, okay, Rick. How do you feel having like put your blood, sweat, and tears into the story and everything for four plus years? It's going to be a weird analogy for this, but it's like playing a video game and you're in the uh, the big boss fight and you've exhausted yourself and you got the boss with like one sliver left. And it's that that deep seated feeling of don't rush it. Take your time. Don't fit up now. <laughs> so you're playing yes. a Soulsborne game. Yeah. Yeah. I just want or to stick the landing. And there's a part of me that's just like, you know what? Just Glintstone shard. But there's a part of me that wants to stick the landing. I'm very confident in in how it will land, but it, it always makes me a little nervous when I get to the end because I don't want it to be Game of Thrones season eight. I don't want it to be mm. Mass Effect three. The whole idea yeah. of like the ending somehow retroactively makes everything else worse. I mean, we could take the approach I take when I play games that I really love where I just never finish the end. Yeah, I get to okay. like the very yeah, end. I, I just think the fans it. would. <laughs> I, we would yeah. have to have the longest after party to just explain yeah. how we all <laughs> sail off into the sunset. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here's your 90s reference. We're going to Pirates of Dark Water this. Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think it'll be okay as long know. as it's not a TPK. 
Yeah. Yeah, you want I mean, to see the fans revolt but... with TPK on the fight with Hakate. <laughs> and then the last episode is just us bringing in random characters. Like, oh, hey, gosh. I don't know if Rick would do that. I think Rick would just <laughs> no. be like, Nah, he'd be like, that's the end. show, everybody. The last episode would be me narrating Hakatep walking out of his pyramid <laughs> to oh. rain death and destruction across Osirian. While a giant thing pops up in uh, Chrono Trigger style and says, but the future refused to change. <laughs> <laughs> I really want like a, a a sequel that's like a mythic level sequel, and we all just build new characters that are just Osiriani living under Hakatep's rule and like dealing with it. Yeah, I just completely uh, revamped the Blood Lords Adventure Path to be Hakatep <laughs> and uh, undead Osirian. Nice. Oh, that'd be weird. But you're evil in that game. We'd be working with Hakatep. It's true. Well, okay, we would <laughs> be evil, but we may be opposed to him because he's got all the power and we want all the power. Yeah, we want the power. That's where it comes from. Yeah. I, I think that AP is part of you working to get more power in that nation's, you know, government. So yeah. we wouldn't be opposing Hakatep. We'd be working with him. Yeah, this is the way that we set up our new uh, Patreon <laughs> thing where we're doing the sequel, my, my personal homebrew sequel to Mummy's Mask. So, uh, <laughs> God, that'd be ridiculous. Good. I was going to say, I, I could literally see the sweat on Rick's brow at the mere yep. thought. <laughs> Somebody's playing a spiritualist that just summons the spirit of Chisisek. Oh, <laughs> that's so fun. Oh, my gosh. That might be really funny, actually. The only crossover character is Narmer. Can yep. I just play Narmer? Oh Narmer's the spiritualist <laughs> that just calls Chisisek. <laughs> Narmer has gone off and he has meditated and behaved. He has meditated, he has behaved, he is ready to fight. Wait, Narmer can call a spirit and he doesn't call Masika? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, she, 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 she's just a rest. It's been a long day. Oh, <laughs> oh I could be in 2E. I could totally be oh. one of those, uh, like, the, the, like, little robot guys that they have. Oh, no, and, like, yeah, the shin little, shin uh, and shoot laser yeah. beams. You two would never uh, get anything done because it would be Narmer talking incessantly and Chisisek talking incessantly and neither one of them really listening to one another. And the rest of us going, guys, shush. Shush. (laughs) Shush. Guess we're over and over again. (laughs) Conversation is the source of my power. (laughs) You're a bard. Goodness. I'm a perpetually moving machine that has the power itself to to speak. That's not how, okay. Sure, Narmer. But yeah, I keep joking around about us being in the end game now, but I think we are truly in the end game now. I mean, we're I'm, in the uh, final we're in the final map. That's that's Last the map. end game for sure. Oh, that's crazy. Well, shall we move on to some emails? Yeah, we should. All right. Our first email comes from Zach from Champ. That's not how you spell Champagne, but it is Champagne, uh, Illinois. Champagne. Maybe I'm assume he knows right. how to spell the name of the city. I'm going to assume that's how it is, but I, that's not how, how you spell champagne, spell? is it? Champagne? C H A M P A I G N. That's how champagne. you spell the city of Champagne, Illinois. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's Champagne, Illinois. But it's not with an E like you spell the yeah. liquor. Yeah, okay, champagne, I was right. But... I was like, something is missing on this. All right, well, anyway. there's no I in the champagne drink either. Yeah. Anyway, Illinois. Champagne. Um, yep. Anyway, Zach uh, says that uh, Champagne is flat, sparsely populated outside of a couple big centers. I'm thinking somewhere in Nermathis, but don't remember if someone already got that. I mean, multiple people can live in multiple places. Yes. We don't. It's yes. true. Because then they become buddies. It's how Nermathis. you start your adventuring party, y'all. Three Pines. <laughs> or is that still last uh, Three Pines is Three Pines is the last wall. I know it's like What's, the uh, stop Kassen? before. He could be from Cass. Well, Casson's not sparsely populated, I don't think. 
It's a small town. It's a very small Kassin. town. Oh, I guess. Okay, Casson. How about Casson? All right, Casson. Sure. All right, so Zach from Casson Nermathis writes, Hello! Hello! Bonjour. Hola. I'm really enjoying the podcast, currently working my way through the sightless sphinx and thinking I should have started a tally for the number of times everyone got blinded. Oh, yes. <laughs> That'd have been fun, actually, to know. An infinite Not, number of times. That would have been like nice for one of those, uh, like the Baldur's Gate statistic pages that oh, I always yeah. love. Oh, man. Where Baldur's Gate tells you like how many hit points of damage you've done and other weird facts about your characters, like what <laughs> weapon you've used more than any other. It's always interesting to see what the developers decide to track because sometimes they track really weird stuff. I do they like how many times the, I most, uh, the most powerful uh, monster that you killed and it's always hilarious when like the wizard has like the like big boss kill because you know the magic missile did it in yep nice. yep but uh, Zach continues my main question is your opinions on other TTRPG systems and whether you've read played or used mechanics from them in your games clocks from blades in the dark seasonal play from Ars Magica identities from unknown armies etc I understand that Pathfinder is a game with a truly massive amount of content, and we've all only got so much time in a day. But as a person with an addiction to new gaming systems, like other people have addictions to dice, I was curious about all of your experiences with the wider role-playing game space. I mean, I've played White Wolf and then, you know, AD&D and 3.0, 3.5 D&D, but I don't think I've, we've really incorporated any of the, like, rules from other games into our Pathfinder stuff. I mean, we're pretty rules is written. Like, I sometimes read other things and draw some inspiration from them. I've gotten really bad about that in, like, the last two years, that anytime I see, like, an online sell, because during the pandemic, there's been a lot of sells of digital version of things. And now that I've become more accustomed to reading digital versions of things, I have the Alien RPG. And uh, mm. what are some of the others? Call of Cthulhu, the Star Trek Adventures, which I would really love to run sometime because oh, I'm a huge Star Trek fan. Scum and Villainy is cool. Star Wars, a uh, variety of different... Uh, uh, like Iron I played a little Weave, like that. which is hmm. a really weird game. It's like cards, and you're you're doing the whole storytelling piece, but everybody has cards, and there's like an app that you use. Hmm. But I didn't incorporate that into, you know, any of the games I played for Pathfinder. Yeah, I think the clock system from Blades would be an interesting thing to incorporate, where instead of just tracking rounds, it more or less tracks like any time that you trigger something, it's a set amount of time. A lot of games, you know, a lot of times Pathfinder already does that by just saying you know if you make noise in this room the guards from this room will respond in 1d6 rounds or something like that mm -hmm. which is basically kind of the same as clocks but without making the players quite as aware of it i, um, I like the nature and demeanor thing from white wolf yeah i what honestly think that that's a better system than uh alignment as far as things mm -hmm. go the nature and demeanor system from white wolf i mean we incorporated like sins and virtues when we played rise of the rune lords which i don't know if yeah. that was pulled from anything but it was cool no, it wasn't really. And uh, I recently, I guess a minor teaser, actually, for both the audience as well as my players. I was making a list of things that I'd taken from uh, character background questions from uh, the L5R system, the Legend of the Five Rings, for developing characters. Basically, like 20 questions to ask all the players to answer before they like finish making their characters. Cool. So that like causes you to really deep dive into your backstory overall like pathfinder one like first edition especially has a like if there was a system for something they already went and did it um 
for a lot of different stuff. Like there's even like social combat if you wanted to like, you know, have somebody verbally sparring with you. Um, like a lot of like kind of optional systems. Yeah, there's a lot of like optional combat systems that like you can kind of pull in in certain situations that I never really felt like I was like, man, there's just not a system for this in first yeah. edition. But I also came in late to first edition when a lot of this stuff was I already mean, done. When they did Strange Aeons and maybe even before that, they do have their own insanity system for Pathfinders. Mm -hmm. I kind of wonder whether or not a, especially with something like Strange Aeons, if a Call of Cthulhu-esque uh, sanity point system would have been better. Because that's like the one thing that I would think of is like the Call of Cthulhu sanity system is something that I would maybe want to pull in. I also really like Call of Cthulhu, the way they handle skills, not the percentile die thing, but the um, if you succeed on that skill, then you can bump it up like in your next level up. So essentially you're tracking, like you're checking a box if you use that skill and succeed yeah. at it to level things so you can't just yeah. arbitrarily level things up yeah i do i do really enjoy the way that call of cthulhu handles skills and skill level ups and all the rest of that um and actually what i one of the things one of the systems that i like from blades in the dark is uh their downtime mechanic i think the way that they handle downtime in blades in the dark is really neat hmm. especially coupled with the fact that uh your characters heal much slower in blades in the dark so the fact that you can use downtime activities to more or less do like physical therapy and recover from your injuries makes it a lot more realistic where it's, you know, if I broke my leg, I'm not just immediately up and running the next week or something like that for the next job. So, yeah, it's kind of that thing with like fantasy healing tends to be like like up the pace of of progress because you can just fix pretty much everything. Magic. Uh, one yeah. thing I liked uh, in. I think it was Dark Heresy, which we played exactly one time, uh, was like they had a wounding <laughs> mechanic yeah. uh, where you could wound certain parts of your body and it had different impacts. So like if you got hit in the leg, it might slow your movement. If you got hit in the mm -hmm. arm, it might slow down your ability to swing a sword or something like that. I mean, they also had like dismemberments and all kinds of crazy stuff. But I just remember the idea of like the realism of like you getting hit and it having a penalty to you is like something that I think Pathfinder and D&D have never really done super great at because it's always the idea of we fight it 100% until we either get, you know, some kind of condition or we drop dead, you know? Yeah, that's like a White Wolf also gives you penalty dice the more injured you are, that you suffer penalties because you're just not at 100% anymore. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I was going to mention, this isn't even a mechanic, but uh, Star Trek Adventures active encouragement of B-plots. Ah, uh, B-plots are fun. Where, are um, fun. How, how does it encourage B-plots? I'm curious now. So a lot of the assumption is like, say that Jordan's the captain and Jessica's the medical officer and Heather's the security chief and Rachel's the science officer. And it's, we're going to do this diplomatic mission down on this planet. And I go, okay. So the captain's beaming down, obviously, and the security officer to provide security for that. So that's the A plot. And in the meantime, back on the ship, Jessica's mentor from Starfleet Academy is like also on the planet is beamed up and is having a converse like has a conversation getting into things and then Rachel's character finds out that he's secretly like performing eugenics or something down on the planet and now it's that like oh okay well like am I gonna am I gonna explain this to my doctor friend are we gonna come out are we gonna ruin this person's reputation oh wait mm. no they're doing this specifically to help them help biologically engineer them to help them escape from this disease that has run rampant every you know, 60 years or something on their planet. So you have the main plot that's going down on the surface, which is actually the published adventure that you're running. And then every once in a while, it flashes back up to the ship for the B plot. And then sometimes you merge them together. Oh, cool. So it's a very neat mechanic for when a character, it doesn't make sense for a character to beam down. 
especially if it's just one player, it's like, well, there's no reason for the doctor to be down there. Here's my not a health emergency. Yeah, it's a fun mechanic. I feel like now, I mind you, usually now. with uh, with yeah, for sure. Pathfinder or anything like that, there's not as much of a reason to do a B plot. Well, I mean, health yeah, rebels. Considering you get, you can, you, you can yeah. really get actively screwed by not uh, sticking the party together. Yeah, we don't usually have yeah. B plots. Although Jessica just said what I was about to. Hell's rebels. That yeah, one feels yeah, like yeah, Hell's rebels. We do a lot. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. Interesting. All right. So Zach signs off. Thanks again, and extremely pumped to start Hell's Rebels after I finish yeah. Mummy's Mask. Check it's the, the API most want to run, but will probably never get to, so this is the next best thing. Oh, there you go. Oh, awesome. Nice. Thanks for Hopefully writing you in, do get Zach. to run it sometime. It's Hope been a so. lot of fun. It, it so has been a lot guys... of fun. It's very different from anything else we've run, which I appreciate. And speaking <laughs> of mechanics, it has the uh, Rebellion mechanics in there, so. Yeah. True. Check it out. Yep. All right. Our second email comes from Jason from Waldeboro, Maine. Awesome. Uh, who he who he specifies maybe Trollheim or somewhere there is a number of moose. Ah, there moose. are a number of moose. <laughs> I love moose. Uh, Trollheim. Yeah, Trollheim. Trollheim. Done. Yeah. All right. You're up there, up there in the savage north with your uh, with your big Viking helmet with giant moose antlers on it. Should yeah, be a really it. cool Viking it. helmet, actually. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, all right, Jason from Trollheim writes, Greetings, FTP crew. Greetings. Hola. I have been listening to your content since about the fifth episode of Mummy's Mask oh, and wanted wow. to finally send a note of appreciation. Oh, Thank right so at the much. end. Good going. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to <Yes>. say. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us for four years. Yeah, yeah. seriously. <laughs> I work overnight, so it has been easy to keep up with all of your shows. I joined the Patreon as soon as I saw it. <laughs> Awesome. Overnight work, buddy. Yep. Yes. And thanks also, for, thank uh, you for, for supporting being a us patron. on Patreon. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. You make the uh, you help make this continued uh, venture possible. Indeed. Uh, so Jason continues. Your friendship and fun at the table has helped me keep my spirits up through these last few years. Heather recently mentioned reading a book about a snake eating dirty socks in middle school, uh -huh. and this triggered the remnants of my previous incarnation as a <laughs> library clerk to begin <laughs> searching it out. I believe that she was combining two book titles, The Plant That Ate Dirty Socks by Nancy MacArthur and The, J the Day Jimmy's Boa Ate the Wash by Trinka Hakes Noble. <laughs> I definitely read the one about the plant that ate the dirty socks. I know that for sure. <laughs> There, might have, there may or it, may not have been a snake there. I might have been confused. I just, I knew there was something, okay? There was something and green and ropey. I, I think it was a snake. Maybe it was hallucinating a the dirty socks part, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So Jason continues, I'm sure by now someone else has used their Google Foo to find these titles already, but I decided to finally send in a letter. We haven't. Thank you. <laughs> Where would we even have started Googling for that? Like, that's weird. Actually, I think somebody mentioned on the Discord, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, but... But if you don't check the for, Discord Thanks for a letting lot, us yes. know. So for anyone else that was listening and went, and didn't huh, look that at interests the Discord. me, but then didn't Google. I'm not crazy, at least in that way. She's not anyway. crazy. I'll see if I can <laughs> remember what episode that was, and I can add it to the episode description. I probably <laughs> won't remember. Nope, 100% not. Uh, so... Jason continues, also, Sudi and Citra both have golem bane scarabs, so they should have been ignoring the DR of the bronze golems unless yeah. those golems had something like the animal-headed ones did to ignore that function. Y'all gotta remember these guys. The mm -hmm. Discord already called See, us out on this. The thing was, Absolutely. Is it, 
earlier in that episode, or maybe even just the episode before, we had been, we'd been like, Goldman Scarab, Goldman Scarab, Goldman Scarab. And then the moment we got into a fight, we were like, a Goldman, what? <laughs> like, we just completely forgot we <laughs> no, had. And we were like, ah, oh, damn, introduction, Dude, that's terrible. Dude, this is the problem with high-level play. At high-level play, you have so many different things to yeah. keep track of that it can be very difficult, especially if you're like me and you're not smart enough to write Golem Bane Scarab somewhere on your front I sheet. I have it written down on mine. That's just Okay, it. then you have no excuses, because mine, at least, I can, I have the second page excuse. <laughs> hey, I was tracking experience and didn't track experience for a pyramid thingy, and we had leveled up, like, many fights ago. So, like, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. This does, uh, I mean, that also, but it does call back to, uh, we've gotten the question so many times of what it's different about doing a, a recorded play versus, like, a home game and everything. And one of it is, someone will catch your screw-ups. Yeah. Like when you're sitting at the table and you're just like, oh, I forgot to do something. Ah, well, you know, I'm not going to worry about it. That's one thing. But when you have, uh, God, I think we have like 15,000 subscribers to Mummy's Mask. What? I'm sorry. Yeah, there's a shocking number of y'all. Well, while Heather's dealing with her existential crisis. um, But yeah, there's always someone to pop in and just be like, "Uh, sorry, guys, like you should have remembered this or that. Or somebody brought up, uh, was it Conjuturate? I think I, uh, or maybe it was, it was one of the creatures in the last book yeah, it might, that I forgot it might one of its primary trip. abilities. I didn't realize it until I was like partway through the next episode of it and went, ah, oh, well, screw it. So it happens. We are all only human. And especially once you get to this high level of play, it's, that's the one thing I'm really looking forward to with the next story is first level characters. Again. Uh, nice, simple. Oh, no. There's five things to remember. That, monsters. that. <laughs> Is the worst thing about finishing an AP, by yes. the way. Yes. Uh, like, these high level characters with all this stuff to do, and then you make a first level character and you're like, I have a stick. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh. The power whiplash is what you're telling me. It's like I hadn't realized how strong I'd gotten until, you know, I climbed out of my NASCAR sports car or whatever it was and hopped on this tricycle, and now I don't yeah, know what to do exactly. with myself anymore. Yeah, it it's is like, the thing but... where, like, people will say, like, they like early-level, late-level, or, like, mid-level play, and I'm, like, very much a mid-level player because, like, I that's like the sweet spot. Play. I'm I'm yeah. powerful, but I don't have too many things that I'm going to forget what's, <laughs> yeah. what's going on. I like on. to have a thousand things. I just want a lot of things. Like, I'm a hoarder of abilities and things, and then I have lots of things to choose from, and I like that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so Jason continues... Not a big deal since the fight went so well, but it could have made a difference. Also, I forget a number of things on my character sheet when I don't use them a lot. Sometimes even as much as Jordan forgets to use his black hat ability. Oh, yeah, nice. I have that, don't I? <laughs> I literally was looking at my character sheet. I'm not going to lie. We're going into this final area. I was literally looking at my character sheet going, I have my black hat ability and I have my, my, my lucky cat ability. And I need to remember that I have these because these are useful abilities. Jessica, being a uh, being a former teacher, I'm sure you have sticky notes everywhere. So if you could just write black cat, big letters on a sticky note and put that on Jordan's computer monitor somewhere. To be fair, <laughs> okay, to be fair. I have a big sticky note on my character for uh, Tyrant's Grasp for an ability that I, 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 if I didn't have that sticky note, I would never use that ability. And it's a really good one. I'm curious if anyone in the audience is going to know why, but I've actually got a sticky note attached to my monitor right now that has Jordan's character from Tyrant's Grass name on it. For good reason. What did I do? Oh, oh no. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> this You're makes me trouble. feel like I have done something wrong and you are tracking the wrongness is that is coming for me. Is it his Warside ability? Because he's been getting better at that. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. one that's You'll on the sticky out. note. <laughs> You'll find out. There might be a little cross-pollination here. We might reach a point in Tyrant's Grass and be like, for anyone that listened back to After Party 70, <laughs> you might have heard me mention something. Well, uh, the chickens have come to roost, as oh, it were. Oh, my God. 
Dang it. Sugar shows up. Sugar hey, shows sugar. up. Oh, jeez. I wish sugar Does was Sugar in have Hollis? If so, we're With safe. her godlike <laughs> chicken powers. <laughs> hey, she's got some. She knows a lot of things anyway. It's true. Goodness. All right. I've come here uh, to make all of your knowledge nobility checks for you. <laughs> There's true. different stories. You don't here. understand me. <laughs> That's the worst part. We wouldn't understand her. Somebody's got to uh, take a so, chicken. Jason yes. uh, signs off, wishing you the best from the frozen Northeast. Awesome. P.S. Jordan, did you ever consider staying more monk to use the dimensional agility feat tree? I got to play a 15th level monk in a one shot and it was quite fun, though very feat intensive. Uh, I'd say no, just because I started with Mummy's Mask going, I want to play a living monolith and then kind of worked back from there. So it was never a, a case of me being like, well, I like playing a monk so much that I, I, I'll give up on doing the living monolith. Like for me, living monolith was kind of always the thing I wanted to play. And I I'm glad I did it. You know, now that I'm now that I'm 10th level and everything, I've done all the way through it. Uh, very glad that I did it. So yeah, I didn't actually look at it, and I'm not super familiar with dimensional agility, especially if it takes a lot of feats, because I don't have the patience for feat planning like that. Um, just as me being an ADHD player, so uh, I'd have to look into that and see what all cool stuff you get with that. Fair enough. Sounds like you can probably teleport across the battlefield. It sounds a lot like you can teleport. Sounds rad. And I love to teleport in combat. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, you'd be basically like a black cat version of uh, Nightcrawler. Yeah, yes. which would be really it would be cool. Amazing, actually. that'd be really cool. amazing. Although for comic book fans of Nightcrawler, obviously he'd be a swashbuckler. Mm. Yes, fair. Anyway, that's fair. And that is the end of our emails. Thank you guys so much, uh, Jason and Zach, for writing in. Thank you, thank you. All right, so I suppose we have a quick casting to do then. It's time to cast. Yeah. So uh, go ahead and bounce me a d6, please. D6. I get a two. Two. Okay. Not to be confused with the character two. Yes, we'll Indeed. be casting two today. Oh, that's fun. That actually would be funny. Yeah, maybe Not we'll save God. that for a little bit later on. All right. This is actually a little crossover itself, so that's interesting. Today, we're going to be casting Ulthun the Second, Watcher Lord of Last Wall. Oh, the guy that's too hot to stay in town? Yeah, the yeah. guy that's too yes, hot to stay in town. the guy who's too hot to stay in town. It does mention how hot he is in here, so I think someone <laughs> just has a real thing for... Somebody was thirsty for writing for Lord. him. Althun's grandparents fled from horrific violence of the priests of Zonkathon and Nidal, arriving in Lastwall as refugees. They laid down roots in Vigil, and Althun was born there in 4690 AR. From an early age, Althun nurtured a passion for literature and history, but after forming a habit of defending other children from bullies, Othun grew certain that it was the duty of the powerful to protect the vulnerable. He then dedicated himself to becoming one of Lastwall's crusaders and a paladin of Iomade, the goddess of righteous valor, justice, and honor. In 4709, however, his plans were eclipsed. Though Othun was only 19, the presenter's marshal of Vigil's War College elected him as the Watcher Lord of Lastwall. Despite his youth, his tours of service in Beltskin proved Ulthun's unparalleled commitment to the Crusaders' virtues. For the subsequent decade, Ulthun led his people with the backing of his advisors and the Presenter's Marshal. The people of Lastwall celebrated Ulthun as a measured ruler, dedicated to social advancement and vigilant defense of Lastwall's borders. Though still a romantic at heart, Ulthun refrained from mingling with the suitors that flocked to Castle Overwatch Courtyard to vie for his attention. I know exactly who I'm casting for him. I've got one, too. I won't go Goodness. any further, because, you know, Tyrant's Grass spoilers. Although, if you're interested in uh, in a little bit more of Vigil and everything, go check out our Patreon. Mm-hmm. So, how, so, wait, so how old is he now? Because you said he got in a, your, he got early, early 30s. He's 29 19. now. 
29. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's 29 as of the events taking place in Tyrant's Grass. Okay. All right. So, I, you, we were told he's very pretty. Um, about 29. Uh, I went on a bit of a journey, but came to Robbie Amell, uh, who is uh, the main character Nathan in Upload. Uh, he is oh, okay. uh, Ronnie Raymond oh. in Firestorm in The Flash. Uh, he was in the Ooh. recent Resident Evil movie. Um, yeah. So he's uh, he's really cute, first off. Um, <laughs> he's about the right age, and he's got that that same jawline, and so you just put a little bit of a little bit of facial hair on him, and he's a pretty pretty good uh, resemblance. So I'm gonna go with Robbie Amell. Is it Amel or Amel? I think it's Amel. Okay. I have no idea. So, eh, I don't know. Okay. Oh, sorry. He's his full name is Robert Patrick Amel the Fourth. Oh my! Ooh, he also so sounds fancy like like this guy. So hey, there you go. <laughs> All right, the character I chose is a little bit older, but uh, I'm gonna go with Carl Urban. <laughs> Ooh, okay, not a bad choice. <laughs> Carl Urban. Not a bad choice. How old is I mean, Carl Urban? He is also a bit of a chameleon, so he can quickly kind of change his age and appearance. I love pretty Carl well. Urban. Yeah. He was like, born always... in '72, according to his IMDb. It doesn't tell me an age; it just gives me his birth date. And uh, I that am would not make him like math. 50. Yeah. So he does not look 50, y'all. But he's done a lot of those, you know, action movies. I mean, he was in Lord of the Rings, for God's sake. So we know he looks good in a suit of armor. He is very handsome. So it's the polar opposite of the character that he would be playing there, but he's actually really good in the boys. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's super good so, in the boys. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Carl Urban. He I think he would be a good fit for this. Alright. Nice. Alright. Fair enough. Okay. I actually thought mine would have already been taken by now, so kinda glad he's not. I feel like he was an obvious choice, but Jason Statham. Okay, good. You didn't um, take mine. Excellent. Because okay. I was thinking yeah. like classic chisel jaw, but has that like short kind of buzz cut, almost bald yeah. look. Mm-hmm. Um, also, he's just kind of a bad <laughs> Like, I kind of love Jason Statham. I think he gets a bad rap because he's done movies like Crank and whatnot, but like so the Italian job. He's done a lot swab, of bad movies. The bank job was one of his best acting gigs. Like, and he's he actually did a medieval movie that was really good and I can't for the life of me find the name of it but um, he actually does have range and I think he just gets a bad rap because he's done a lot of really bad movies but he's got the look uh, he's okay. right up there with Nicolas Cage in one of those guilty pleasures <laughs> he just kind of looks like a bad dude though he looks hear, a little weathered I hear you Jason Statham and I hear you skip over me whatever. Jessica yeah huh? it's Rick's turn next oh, skip it. over me are you going to steal mine? Please don't steal mine. Probably not, because uh, I, I considered a couple. Here, let me, let me go ahead and jump in with mine. So, chiseled jaw, handsome man, piercing gaze, really good at being both very charming and playing an extraordinarily dedicated kind of military-esque figure. A little bit out there. Ryan Gosling. Oh, I saw the gray man. Yeah, we just so, saw the gray man. I haven't Ryan seen the Gosling. gray man actually yet, but I was thinking more like uh, his portrayal in Drive and Blade Runner as this like dedicated yeah. kind of figure. He's got that chiseled jaw, his piercing Ooh. look. The dude can really bulk up when he needs to. Yeah, yeah he he looks by the way really good in the gray I. man. Like he the was gray man. built. If and you to be see perfectly Chris honest, he was my guy. fallback when uh, Chris uh, Evans, of course, is already Falto. So I was like, all right, well, I've got to find someone else. <laughs> I considered uh, going Liam Hemsworth. Ryan but Gosling I was like, would have yeah. made a good Falto, too, though. Ryan Gosling would have also made a really good Falto. So I'm thinking Ryan Gosling. He's, he's so freaking charming, that man. Uh, and from what I understand, a really good singing voice, although I never saw La La Land. 
Fair enough. His, his voice is okay. I don't know if I'd say great. <laughs> okay. All right, Jessica, what you got? There, I raise all of go, these Jess. with Taryn Edgerton. Oh, who you may know oh, from Rocket okay. Man or The Kingsman. Yeah. Not who I was expecting. He's kind of on the short side. He's very charming. Yes. He can obviously do action movies. He looks great. He's got a heck of range. Really and I just love actor. him. I love him. He's great. I'm cool with he him as Wolverine great. if that happens. Yeah. He's been a fan casting he's, thing for a while. He's, yeah, he's up it? in the running. Okay, that would be interesting too. But also Ulthu in the second. All right. Well, these guys are some right, good choices. That's a, that's a, this is going to be a tough one. Yeah. So the voting for this should be out the day that this is published on the Discord in our Casting Powerful Folks channel. Yeah. If you want to go weigh in um, yep. on our picks for Watcher Lord Olthen 2. I'm wondering Olthen if two. this vote... Yeah. <laughs> Olthen 2 Electric Boogaloo. Yes. <laughs> more Olthen. More two. Yes, Olthen um, 2E Reloaded. Maybe this vote will be back before he shows up in uh, shows up in Tyrant's Grass when Rick can be like, this actor walks in. You know? So. Ryan Gosling, because no matter who it is, it's Ryan Gosling. No. Oh, no. It's uh, <laughs> what the fans pick, That's Rick. an abuse of power, Rick. You can't do that. Yep. You do whatever you want. So, You're like, so no, you that's not vote. the right actor. Doppelganger, kill him. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> vote on the Discord if you want to. But you should also just come to the Discord and check it out because there's lots of stuff going on there usually. So. You can get yep. there from our website, find-path.com. Yep. There's a link. It's true. As well as if you want to follow us on Patreon, there's a Patreon link there, too. Yeah, we've, we've done sure. a lot of plugging for Tyrant's Grass, but uh, I've heard some people say that it is our best show. And I have so, heard that. Uh, I have yeah, heard that I would maybe, well. uh, maybe consider checking that out. And also just supporting the podcast would be really great. It's true. Be real cash money of you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. It would literally be cash money of you. Yes, exactly. That's the joke. Uh, all right. So that wraps up our after party. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we will see y'all in the next episode. Bye, Path Folk. Bye, Path Folk. Bye, bye. bye. The final countdown. Da -da -da -da. Now you'll get on board with that. How many times did I do it? Y'all just ignored me like I didn't say it. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.